Hello everyone, I'm Bella. And I'm Olivia. And we're prevention educators for New Directions, the Domestic Violence Shelter and Rape Crisis Center of Knox County, Ohio. You're listening to our podcast, Table Talks. We hope that listening to this podcast gives you an inside look into the world of domestic violence. Throughout this series, you will hear from individuals from all walks of life, from preventionists and advocates to survivors themselves and many other allies. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the podcast. Due to the sensitive nature of this episode and the subjects discussed, viewer discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome to Table Talks. During the month of April, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and New Directions will be releasing a series of podcasts looking at sexual assault through a different lens. Today we are joined by Chris White, who is the SANE nurse at Knox Community Hospital. We are very excited for the conversation and we're happy to have you here, so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Can you describe what the acronym SANE stands for and what your role as a SANE nurse looks like? Yes, so SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. And we have kind of went away from that because we're so much more than that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us go by forensic nurse now. Because with sexual assault nursing, you can go into so many different subspecialties, including domestic violence, human trafficking, strangulation, gunshot wounds, uh, among the sexual assault stuff. So that's why a lot of us are called forensic nurses now rather than just the sane nurse. Mm -hmm. But as uh, a sane nurse, my role here at the hospital, I'm actually the coordinator of the program, but first and foremost, I'm a sane for patients. So with that being said, my role is to be available 24-7 for victims of sexual assault Mm -hmm. and get them under way of healing. So we want them all to heal. And the first step of that healing process is coming into the hospital and asking for help and recognizing what has just happened to them. Because sometimes patients and and survivors they don't realize at first because some of them it's been a way of life for them mm-hmm. but recognizing that they're in they're not in such a good situation is huge um, we want here at the hospital I mean Knox community has been so dedicated and they have shared my passion with creating this program and expanding it in so many ways mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to have the support of the hospital mm-hmm. And right now I have five of us nurses. So before it was just me. And uh, so that was a little difficult, but Mm. um, I've actually grown to love this field where it can be so trying and horrific. Mm -hmm. It can also be very rewarding when you're able to make a difference in a victim's life and help them becoming a survivor instead of a victim yeah yeah so and you said that this program was just created is this new um it's not just been created it's been around for a while but we have been working so hard on expanding it and making it known to the public that we're Mm -hmm. here and that we can help you and we want you to come in to see us because so many times Victims are scared, you know, they don't know what they what to do. So trying to get the education out to the community is mm-hmm. huge. 
which is another reason I'm so glad that you guys are here today and we're going to try to get some of this information out because we want the community to know that we're here mm -hmm. and we want to help them become healers. So the hospital has been 100% supportive in building on the program where it started from just one sexual assault nurse mm -hmm. yeah. and now it's so much more. Which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's cool to see... Um, the growth mm -hmm. yeah and even some of the other podcasts we've done this week like it always started out with like I feel like one or like very few people mm -hmm. and it has just grown and that's really cool to, to yeah. hear because yeah. yeah. that means there's so many more resources available yeah. so many more people available which is important because mm -hmm. a lot of times people just don't realize or want to realize that it does happen yeah. mm -hmm. in their town you know I grew up in the big city so you know people would expect that there based on our society and culture but it's everywhere mm -hmm. it's not just in the big cities it's here in the smaller communities as well and people just don't realize that so getting that information out is huge yeah, absolutely and that's what we're here for yes <laughs> and I love you guys I we work so well together with new directions mm -hmm. and yeah. the sexual assault advocates they, ha they make all the difference with me when I, when I get called in at 3 in the morning. They're here with me no matter what. Mm -hmm. So having that support system, mm -hmm. we work so good as a team, and I am grateful for you guys. Yeah. We're grateful for <laughs> you guys. Yeah. It's cool that there's such a partnership. Yes. And, like, two different organizations coming together. and It's almost having, like one. Yeah, one common goal. Yeah. yeah. So that's really neat to be a part of. Yes. Awesome. Um. So, how much time does a survivor have to get a sexual assault forensic exam done after they've been sexually assaulted? So, they have typically 96 hours. That's okay. considered the golden standard at this moment. Um, with the Ohio laws and things like that, they're looking at um, it, hopefully extending that. But mm -hmm. for right now, it's 96 hours. Now, there are cases in which... It can go beyond the 96 hours, such as when a patient has been unconscious or they've been isolated or they've been kidnapped and they've been held hostage for a long period of time. Or if a patient has a cognitive disability and they can't tell the time period and they're not able to give an accurate time frame. Uh, or they've been drugged. So, and that's one thing, you know, that we'll talk about too. But knowing the, that information is important because if that patient has you know been isolated for mm -hmm. an amount of time then we're going to collect evidence no matter what yeah so why is it that 96 hour window? so the 96 hours is considered the standard to be able to obtain dna from the body got it and be able to process it and find it in the lab because okay. with uh as human beings you know it would be your first instinct after such a horrific incident has happened to shower. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to cleanse the body. You want to get rid of that. You want that to go away. Mm -hmm. that's, that's human nature. Mm -hmm. Where for forensic nurses, we're like, we want you to come in right away mm -hmm. so that we can collect all that DNA and we can mm -hmm. have that stuff to send off and it will help so much more and allow the crime lab to obtain more evidence 
so to speak. So that 96 hours is set for that reason because it's based on previous studies and things like that, but they have also been studying uh, to see how much longer we can still collect DNA. So there's yeah. studies being done on that now, but for now it is 96 hours. And then when a survivor is coming in for that forensic exam, what does that process look like? So first and foremost, they're a priority. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to wait in the lobby. We don't want them to have to wait any longer than they already have because it took them, and it must have taken them so much effort and courage to come in. So we want to make sure that we embrace that. You know, we want you to come in for help. We want to help you. So first and foremost, we make you a priority. And we get you back to a room away from everybody so that you can we can focus just on you. Mm-hmm. A sexual assault nurse, forensic nurse, is contacted right away by the charge nurse. And then for myself, if I'm called in, on my way in, I'm calling New Directions and saying, hey, can you meet me at the hospital? That way, when we arrive, we're here as a team. We talk to the patient as a team, and we make sure that the patient knows that they're in complete control of everything because all control has just been taken from them. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that they're in complete control of their exam and everything that we do is very important to us. So we make sure that we try to make them feel that way and so we can build a relationship to allow them to go through this process with us because it's a long process yeah uh it it can take anywhere from four to six hours depending Mm -hmm. on how much trauma the patient has gone through and how many injuries and things like that Mm -hmm. so when they come in and we get here before we've even gotten here the provider of the emergency department goes in and speaks with the patient if there's any immediate life-threatening things that need to be addressed that's done first and foremost that takes precedence over anything because healing that patient is priority Mm -hmm. and taking care of anything that's life-threatening is the priority so then when the nurse the forensic nurse gets here you know we go in we introduce ourselves and I go in and I talk to the patient before I start bringing anything in the room I want to go in and tell this patient who I am what's going to go on through the exam and that at any time they don't have to do something that they're not comfortable with so they don't have to complete the exam in If its they're not comfortable with doing the entire exam, that is completely their decision. Mm-hmm. Now, to be able to provide the best evidence and get obtain the best DNA, it's, it's best if the patient can go through it, but they're reliving that traumatic nightmare that has just happened to them. So that can be very difficult. Yeah. Because in sometimes we, we need to turn the lights down to look at them with a special light so that we can look for DNA. And sometimes with the lights out, that can be a trigger for the patient. Mm-hmm. So we would never want to cause the patient any more distress than they've already been through. Yeah. So we look over their entire body. We take photographs of any injuries. And we also collect the DNA from injuries and things like that. We do a complete head-to-toe physical exam, and we also obtain a history of what happened to the patient in the patient's own words. And then once all of that is complete, if the patient wishes to speak to law enforcement, 
then we will have a law enforcement officer come and speak with the patient. If the patient is 18 years or older, they have that right to say, I am not ready for this right now. Let's mm -hmm. collect a kit because I want the evidence to be available when I decide to move forward. Mm -hmm. And if a patient is terrified for some reason that they don't want anyone to know that anything has happened to them, as long as they're 18 and older, they can file what we call an anonymous kit where we collect all the evidence, we take everything that we normally would, and we would keep that kit and we would give it a unique identifier number. Mm -hmm. And then that patient, when they're ready to move forward and start healing and get on their way to being that survivor, then they can, they can then contact us and we can release everything to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So it's important for people to know that if, you, if you're not ready to, to release this and go through uh, law enforcement or anything, you have that right as long as you're 18 and older because anyone that's under 18 is considered a child yeah. and that's, that's terrifying, but we have to report that. I mean, it's by, the law mandates us to report those kinds mm -hmm. of things. And then if a patient is under the age of 18, mm -hmm. if somebody were to come in um, without a parent or a guardian, are you required to notify their parents? Not right away. They can feel comfortable coming to us and we can do the kit and we can do everything as far as the exam goes. And then when we release the patient, we tell them you, you have about two to three days and then we have to contact your parents and say mm -hmm. you were here at the hospital. Mm -hmm. We do not have to tell them everything that you did, but we have to tell them you were a patient here, speak to your son or daughter. Okay, so then does the rape kit for minors, can that be anonymous or? No, okay. unfortunately not. With the state laws that we have, any minor is not allowed to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. And then how long does it normally, and I mean, I don't know if this is, you know, a set window or if it depends on the amount of DNA that you collect, but is there like an average um, amount of time that it takes to get the DNA results back? So yes, there. The, it's good that you asked that because the Ohio Attorney General has just uh, rolled out this, what they call sexual assault kit tracking. And so each kit now gets an ID barcode, mm -hmm. and we log that in to the attorney general system. The only thing we log in is the code. We don't give out any information on the patient. Mm -hmm. Nothing is um, identifiable to the patient. There's just this barcode that they have, and they can log into the system and track where their kit is oh, and wow. know when the kit is back. So when That's that so kit cool. comes back, they can contact the attorney, mm -hmm. prosecuting attorney, um, and New Directions even helps them with that. So once that information comes back, they can call the prosecuting attorney's office together and get the information from their kit. That's so interesting. That is really interesting. And it makes me think, so how long can the kit sit? Because you said that survivors, if and when they're ready, they can go and receive the kit or get their information back but is there a time frame that the kit gets off the shelf and it's no longer there so they're not to leave kits unprocessed now so we automatically send that to law enforcement and then law enforcement 
will send the kit to the crime lab. Now, if it's an anonymous kit, it still has an identifying number. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, the biggest goal is to find out if this perpetrator has done this to someone else. Mm -hmm. The only way we can do that is to get these kits processed. So I know here in our county, our law enforcement is awesome at getting kits sent in, getting them back, and not leaving them sit you know because now they have to process them and then they they're not they can't destroy these kits anymore mm-hmm. thankfully so when the kit goes over there with law enforcement it still has that number on there to be able to tell now if a kit comes back say it's an anonymous kit and it gets what's called a codis hit so what that means is they put the DNA in the database and if that DNA has ever come up in another kit, it will tell them. Wow. And here in Knox County, we've had several of those. Mm -hmm. So what they would do then is contact the hospital and say, hey, that anonymous kit that you have, it it tested positive for like five or six other kits. Mm -hmm. So can we please reach back out to the survivor and, and encourage them to come forward. Wow. And the, the survivor does not have to, you know, partake mm-hmm. in that, but it's so important that that is available mm-hmm. and that we, they have that option. Because ensuring that, you know, the serial rapist, that's, yeah, okay. that's what's going to give us that information. So it's important to have that. Hmm. Is that a pretty recent uh, development that it's able to link rape To kids? track it yeah. or yeah. link it? Like link so link no it's it's not recent they i mean they they put the dna into databases anyway um so it kind of it being able to like say hey this dna matches this yeah that's so i feel like that could be that can be so helpful oh extremely (laughs) helpful yeah wow extremely that's really interesting yeah i did not know about that Mm -hmm. um so you had mentioned a little bit before um, kind of maybe where the 96 hours can be expanded is if there's um, a potential drugging that had occurred. Yes. So if a survivor suspects a drug-facilitated sexual assault, mm-hmm. maybe someone slipped something in their drink or yes. something like that, um, what should they do? What do you recommend those people do? So when they are able to recognize that something happened uh, and that something's just off, Mm-hmm. and that they believe they were sexually assaulted and they're more aware of their surroundings now and they you know they've come to the most important thing that they can do is keep the urine the very first urine that they're able to get and keep it in a refrigerator until they can get to the hospital because then we can send that off again to the crime lab yeah. And when they come in, we can also test their blood. So we will want to draw blood. And then obviously that urine is very Mm -hmm. important to us because so many times the drugs that these perpetrators are using, they're out of the system in no time. Mm. So again, within that 96 hours, we want them to come in. And so we can collect that evidence as well. And we can test for so many drugs that uh, we wouldn't get typically in like a regular lab that we have here that goes off to the crime lab so that would be so the urine and the blood is to so what if what if 
maybe they have gotten up and gone to the restroom mm-hmm. um, before taking a urine sample. Yeah. Is there still yes. a chance? You There's could... still a chance depending okay. on the different types of drugs that are out there because there are so many right now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's any type of drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and alcohol is the number one drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, it doesn't matter if they went to the restroom one or two or three times it doesn't matter. We still want to try to get them here as soon as possible to collect that urine because mm-hmm. there is still a slight chance that there would still be something in there. It's hmm. very interesting. The more yeah. that they use the restroom, the more they urinate, of course, the less chances we'll find something. Yeah, but yeah. It, there's always a chance. Mm-hmm. So just so I'm remembering correctly, you said don't necessarily shower mm-hmm. try not to pee what about like clothing materials thank you for asking that so with their clothing we want whatever clothing was on you right after the assault or during the assault that's important because again people want to get out of their clothes they want in the shower and that is so understandable however it's so important for us to be able to have that as evidence because we will want to send those items of clothing to the crime lab. So when you come in, yes, we want to take your clothes. However, there are so many programs and with the Ohio Attorney General, they have a victims of crime compensation that patients can apply for to be able to be reimbursed for their favorite jeans, favorite Victoria's Secret bras. I can't tell you how many times I feel so bad um, taking those because I know how expensive they are. But, you know, everybody has that favorite pair of jeans Mm -hmm. or that favorite shirt. And it's hard for people to let go of those items. And we totally understand that. So even if they're adamant about not releasing their clothes, we are going to swab those clothes. Mm -hmm. So... It's best if the crime lab can receive the clothing, but again, there are other options. And can they, if they choose, can could they get those clothes back eventually? They or? are not able to get the clothes okay. back, unfortunately, because the crime lab breaks them down to be able to find the best DNA. So they will not be able to get clothing back. But again, like the programs with the attorney general's office, they can get compensated to go purchase new clothing. And you just said swap, too, so they're leaving with clothes. Yes, we will give them clothes. New Directions helps provide us Mm -hmm. with clothes for our victims and survivors, as well as we keep some things here at at the hospital. So we we definitely don't want you to go home and paper scrubs because those are just, those are terrible. Um, but we will just run over and grab something for them if we need to, mm-hmm. if we don't have, you know, their size or anything like that here. But we definitely. And then also sometimes people just want their own clothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, they send a friend out to, you know, get something from the house or bring extra clothing with them. Yeah. Through this whole process, you're just meeting people where they are. And that's mm-hmm. something that's been evident in everything that you've talked about. And thank you for doing what you do and also just creating a space for individuals to come and just know that yeah. there is help here. Yeah, yeah there is. And that's so important uh, to, for them to know that. And I hope that people feel comfortable coming here. Yeah. And then just one more thought, because I feel like this can be a pretty big barrier to people coming in and getting a forensic exam. Mm-hmm. Um, what if a survivor comes in and 
they don't have the finances for a forensic exam or maybe they don't have insurance are there any is there anything like how much does one of these exams cost so the exam itself can be several hundred dollars mm -hmm. and then depending on if we would obtain urine and blood that could be a little more okay. um, costly however with the attorney general uh, the ohio attorney general they do not uh, want patients and, and survivors to pay for this. So okay. they, they pay that bill. We have um, a billing system that we go through and it's all online. So once I've done an exam on a patient, I submit it to the attorney general and the attorney general reimburses us for, for the oh, kit wow. and for the kit collection. Now I will say that in severe circumstances, if a patient was strangled mm -hmm. or we have to perform a CAT scan, that is something that is separately billed. So we would bill their insurance if they have it. Mm -hmm. If they do not have insurance, the victims of crime can still pick up the tab for that. Okay. Okay, well. So they just would have to submit uh, some information online to the Attorney General. Yeah. And the Attorney General even compensates for hours of work missed and things like that. Wow, so I didn't know that. They're amazing with that, and I'm so proud uh, of our state for, for yeah. having that available to our survivors. That's amazing. So, I mean, ideally, mm -hmm. everything related to a forensic exam would be free of cost. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that is such a weight lifted yeah. off of people's shoulders because yeah. yeah. I think that that could be such a and that stressor. may be why someone wouldn't come in mm -hmm. if they didn't know that yeah. yeah so knowing that you know the attorney general is going to pick up the tab for that is huge yeah. mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah are there any other resources that survivors can go to to learn more about anything that we've talked about today or even talking about the attorney general resources that they can reach yeah, out to? Yeah, they can actually log on to the attorney general's website and it shows the resources that are available as far as victims of crime. If you just type in sexual assault in the search bar, it's gonna mm -hmm. pull up all the information that they have available on mm -hmm. sexual assault. You can look up laws on sexual assault there. Um, there are many different websites that you can go to. I know one in particular that I utilize a lot is the Forensic Nursing Network. Mm -hmm. And they provide lots of education on sexual assault and things like that. Now with the Attorney General website, there's a place to go on there for victims and then um, family members of victims. So there's a lot of information there. And then New Directions also gives the patients a lot of resources when they come. Mm -hmm. um, and then for us, we have a packet of, as well of resources that are available within our community, mm -hmm. but also statewide. Okay. So the Ohio Sexual Assault Alliance is another place they can go and get lots of information and resources. Mm -hmm. We have um, behavioral health partners that is here okay. locally that uh, can help with counseling. Our health department actually has a counselor on staff, so nice. patients can go there as well if they just need some extra counseling. But I also know New Directions provides counseling as well, so. And then what are some, I know I'm deviating from the script a little bit, but um, do you have any tips or 
words of wisdom for a support person if somebody were to disclose um, a sexual assault or just somebody who's kind of walking alongside that survivor through this whole process? Yes. Uh, You have to give them time. Mm -hmm. Do not push them. It will only re-traumatize them. Try not to get, you know, as much as, like for me, if I had a daughter and I'm a mother and I'm with my daughter and she's just been, you know, assaulted, as much as I would want to know every single thing that happened, that is not the best thing to do because they're reliving that trauma every time they have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they will talk about it when they're ready. And all you can do is make sure that you let them know that when they are ready to talk, you are there. Mm -hmm. Letting them know that every step of the way, if you just want to come in and cry to me, if you want to just want me to just hold you, if you just want to sit in silence, then do that. Support them no matter what. Let them know you're in control. When you're ready, I'm here. That's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. Just knowing they have that one person that's there. That's awesome. Yeah. That way they don't feel that they're being judged. They don't feel Mm -hmm. that they're being forced, you know, to talk about something that they're not ready to talk about. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you for being here on the podcast with us. And thank you for teaching us so many new things because I learned a lot. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. This has been amazing. I am really grateful for this opportunity. Absolutely. We're grateful to have you on. Thank you. you. And thank you for everybody tuning in. Please stay tuned for the rest of the month because we will be releasing more podcasts. And again, thank you. We'll see you next time.